Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. Scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning. Cup of murder. Murder is always a despicable act, but some motives, means, and inspirations 
can make some cases far more nefarious than others. On January 17, 1897, a man was born who would eventually take the lives of many, many people who looked to him for comfort and safety during a time of upheaval and war. A man who took advantage of those people for nothing but financial gain. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Marcel-André Henri-Félix Petiot was born on January 17, 1897 in Auxerre, Yonne, France, and from a very young age, showed signs that he harbored extremely violent tendencies. At the age of just 11 years old, he fired his father's gun in class and propositioned a female classmate for sex. As he got a little bit older, he robbed a post box and was charged with damage to public property and theft for which he was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation that's results saw the charges drop due to a newly diagnosed mental illness. In 1914 or 15, he was expelled from school for the last of many, many times and was finally sent off to a special academy in Paris in July of 1915. While there, he volunteered for the French Army during World War I, entering service in January of 1916. Shortly after beginning, Marcel was wounded and gassed during the Second Battle of the Anne, and his mental health started to deteriorate more seriously, was sent to various rest homes to recover, but was arrested for stealing army blankets, morphine, military supplies, wallets, photographs, and letters. He was jailed for the offense and later sent to a psychiatric hospital where he was, again, diagnosed with various different mental illnesses. Despite this, he was returned to the front in June of 1918. Three weeks and a grenade injury later, he was sent to a new regimen where, finally, his new diagnosis was enough to discharge him with a disability pension. Things were not going well for Marcel, who, by all accounts, really needed treatment for his various mental illnesses. But instead, he entered an accelerated education program made for veterans, completed medical school in just eight months, and became an intern at a mental hospital, receiving his full medical degree in December of 1921 and moving to Villeneuve-sur-Yon, where he received payments for his services from both his patients and from government medical assistance funds money he likely used to fund his new narcotics habit, which was not the only shady medical practice he seemed to be taking part in, developing quite the reputation for performing illegal, dangerous abortions, supplying narcotics to addicts, as well as taking part in some petty theft. Realizing that wasn't enough, Marcel Petiot began using his work as a medical professional to add one more crime to his already lengthy rap sheet. Murder. Marcel's first victim, by most accounts, is a woman named Louise Delaveau, one of his elderly patient's daughters, with whom Marcel had an affair with in 1926. Louise disappeared in May of that same year, around the same time that, according to neighbors, Marcel loaded a large trunk into his car and never returned with it. Police investigated the case, but eventually deemed her as a runaway. That same year, with none the wiser, Marcel ran for mayor of Villeneuve-Souillon and hired someone to disrupt the political debate against his opponent. He managed to be elected and immediately began embezzling town funds. The following year, he married the 23-year-old daughter of a wealthy landowner named Georgette Lablaz, and the pair welcomed a son in April of 1928. 
Right around the same time, the higher-ups became suspicious of Marcel's spending and financial dealings, suspended him, and forced him to resign in August of 1931. However, this did not stop the citizens from supporting Marcel, and the village council soon resigned out of sympathy. Five weeks later, he was elected as a councillor of the Yon Department, but in 1932 was accused of stealing electricity from the village and lost his seat, having by this point already moved to Paris. Now relocated and able to make a fresh start, Marcel, using a number of fake credentials, built up a pretty impressive reputation and clientele at his private practice. Soon, however, the rumors of illegal abortions and excessive prescriptions started to follow him to his new home. After the 1940 German defeat of France, French citizens started to be drafted and forced into labor in Germany. Marcel, scared by his own military service, started offering false medical disability certificates to people being drafted and started treating the men who had been returned a little worse for wear. Marcel would later claim that, during the time of the German occupation, he engaged in resistance activities and had, supposedly, helped to develop a secret weapon that would kill the Germans without leaving any forensic evidence, planted booby traps all over Paris, had high-level meetings with Allied commanders, and worked with a completely non-existent group of Spanish anti-fascists. However, there is no evidence to support any of these statements. He was, though, in 1980, cited by a former U.S. spymaster as a World War II source by a man who was the founder and head of a small independent espionage agency known as The Pond. He claimed that Marcel reported the Katyn Forest Massacre. Regardless of his feelings against the Germans, Marcel soon realized that a Nazi-occupied France offered something he never quite thought of, the perfect backdrop to commit the perfect crime. By professing himself a member of the French resistance, Marcel earned himself trust amongst those who felt powerless in their own country. A trust that helped him better conceal his illicit acts, for which he would later be fined over 2,000 francs for overprescribing narcotics, but was allowed to keep his practice, and went as far as to invite members of the Jewish community to his practice, promising them safe passage out of France nobly offering his home to other resistance fighters, petty thieves, and criminals trying to outrun the law. What these people didn't know was that this seemingly generous man was actually using his supposed cause to begin what is one of the most horrifying killing sprees in history. Working under the name Dr. Eugene, Marcel would take the 25,000 franc fee from anyone who wanted safe passage out of France roughly a half a million dollars in today's money, and tell them that before he could send them off to a new location, he would need to give them the necessary vaccines. Instead, money in hand, he would inject them with cyanide, take all of their valuables, and with the help of some accomplices, dump their bodies in the Seine. In 1941, Marcel, using his ill-gotten riches, purchased a new home near the Arc de Triomphe around the same time that a man named Henri Lafont returned to Paris with permission to recruit new members for the French Gestapo, a group that in the end would be Marcel's undoing. Because the Gestapo was now wandering the streets, Marcel, still presenting himself as the hero to the people, could not simply wander the streets with a bundled-up body. So instead, he had to start putting the bodies in vats of quicklime to try and disintegrate them. Eventually, in April of 1943, 
the Gestapo got wind of a Dr. Eugene and his supposed route to safety, assuming he was part of the resistance. Wanting some more information, they forced a prisoner named Ivan Dreyfus to try and secure his safe passage on this supposed network. But instead of coming back with details on who was responsible, Ivan simply disappeared. An informer later successfully infiltrated the operation, got the names of the men helping Dr. Eugene, arrested his accomplices who, under torture, revealed that his real name was Marcel Petiot. Now working sans lackeys, Marcel became overwhelmed by the disposal of bodies, which, in March of 1944, became the final nail in his coffin. For some reason, Marcel left town for a few days, and in his absence, the neighbors started to notice the terrible smell coming from his house, noting that the smoke that seemed to always be radiating from his chimney was unusually noxious. On March 11, 1944, a few of these neighbors made their complaints to the police, and, fearing a house fire, the police called the fire department who, upon entering his home, found a roaring fire in the coal stove situated in the basement. Inside were human remains. A look throughout the rest of the house found a quick lime pit in the backyard containing more body parts, and inside of the house, enough remains to account for at least 10 different individuals. Also found inside were suitcases, clothing, and other stolen property belonging to a number of missing men and women. Shortly after they entered, Marcel Petiot arrived back at his home and attempted to explain the grisly discovery, claiming once again that he was a member of the resistance and that these were the bodies of Germans and traitors whom he was forced to kill. At first, somehow, the police believed his unbelievable story and did not arrest him at first. But with not everyone convinced, and a new head of the case, both Marcel's wife and brother Maurice were arrested along with his accomplices who helped to fill in the blanks and name Marcel as the monster behind 60 or more murders. However, by the time the Gestapo came knocking at his door, Marcel was in a whole different part of Paris. While the police began their manhunt to find Marcel, the media caught wind of what was happening behind the doctor's closed doors, and a complete circus erupted with the news reaching Switzerland, Belgium, and Scandinavia. The doctor, who promised safety in a terrifying time only to end their lives for financial gain, became an enemy amongst the people. Despite their drive to catch the dangerous man, the invasion of Normandy in June of 1944 put a hold on the manhunt for Marcel, who, using the war to his advantage, again, lied to the friends who hid him and said that the Gestapo were pursuing him because he murdered informers. He was also he was able to stay hidden for seven months, adopting several aliases before going by the name Henri and joining the French forces of the interior in the uprising. He became the captain in charge of counter-espionage and prisoner interrogation, work that earned him praise and a write-up in Resistance magazine, where several people recognized Henri as the dangerous doctor that everyone was looking for. On October 31st, 1944, Marcel Petiot was recognized at a metro station and arrested. Marcel went to trial on March 19, 1946, and faced 135 criminal charges. 
During his time in court, Marcel taunted the prosecution, claimed several of his victims had been collaborators or double agents, said that most were alive and well living in South America under assumed names, and ultimately only admitted to killing 19 of the 27 victims found in his home, still saying they were Germans and collaborators and part of a total of 63, quote, enemies he had to kill. His lawyers attempted to portray him as a resistance hero, but the judge and jurors remained unimpressed. He was convicted of 26 counts of murder and sentenced to death. Marcel Petio was beheaded on May 25, 1946, and is suspected of killing at least 60 people during his lifetime. The true number, however, remains unknown. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on January 18th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obs- with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. <laughs>